Hello, and welcome back to The Simplecast. Today, Chris speaks with Jessica Honiger, founder of the Noonday Collection, a socially responsible business that uses fashion to create meaningful opportunities around the world. As a programming note, we had a little bit of technical challenges with this recording, but the conversation was so good that we wanted to soldier on. So, here's Chris and Jessica. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Simplecast. I'm your host, Chris Marlowe, and I'm with my friend, Jessica Honecker. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chris. I'm excited to chat today. I'm super excited to chat with you. You're doing some amazing work, you and your team, and I'm excited to learn more about it. And I want to kind of reminisce about this evening where we first met back in Austin. We were meeting with our mutual friends, the Wades, at some Austin restaurant, I can't remember, probably eating tacos. And I, I remember you mentioning this thing, this idea, this vision that you had called Noonday. I can't remember if you actually had launched it or if it was still in the ideal phase, but I want you to just tell the audience kind of what is Noonday and why did you launch Noonday? Yeah, absolutely. I probably launched it at that point because I sort of came up with the idea and launched it within about the same time. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't going to wait around, right? No, no, no. I'm one of those ideate action simultaneously kind of people. I've had to kind of uh, change my style over the years. Now that I have a team, they don't really (laughs) like that as much. (laughs) But yeah, so New Day Collection is a social business and we're creating meaningful opportunities for people around the globe. And we do that by helping women here launch their own businesses. So we have social entrepreneurs here in America that we call New Day Ambassadors. Those ambassadors are launching their own businesses across communities in America and they are creating marketplaces for artisan businesses in about 13 other countries where we partner in. And then we come alongside those artists and businesses and we help them scale. We help them with financing and design. And then we create a social impact in those communities by creating opportunity for entrepreneurs in those countries. That is awesome. So I want you to take us back to the why. Like what was that moment? There had to be an aha moment. For me, it was a boy at a gas station in Zimbabwe. But what was your moment where you recognize like, you're experiencing extreme poverty and you knew you wanted to, to create something to help solve that problem. Yeah. You know, mine started a very, very long time ago. So it's just, it's a, it's interesting story because I really saw, I was, you know, woke up when I was in the eighth grade mm. and that was going to Washington, D.C. There's a church there called Church of the Savior. And the guy who started it is called Gordon Crosby. He's he's no longer with us, but he was one of the leading civil rights activists. And it's funny because I was thinking about just the, my beginnings the other day, and I thought, I'm going to go Google Gordon Crosby because he was this profound leader. But, you know, it was before the days of the Internet and podcasts and all yeah. this other stuff. And I Googled him, and lo and behold, there is a NPR episode all about him. And wow sort of his involvement in the civil rights movement. So he started a church in inner city, Washington, D.C., and it it was just powerful for me. I went to help with a vacation Bible school there, but just hearing the vision of that church, they were all about going into a neighborhood and just living there, being 
friends with the people there and just coming alongside them and understanding what the needs were. And I remember we went to church one morning at a hospital. It's like the only type of its kind in America at the time, at least. And it's a hospital for the homeless. And it's right in the Adams Morgan neighborhood in D.C. And hearing the story of how it used to be a crack house and what they did was there was a crack house and they said, we're going to go and we want this to be a spot that now is going to glorify God. And and a small group of people began to pray and soon there was this vision of a hospital for the homeless. And now, I mean, to this day, you can go and um, get free free medical care there as a homeless person. And then right across the street from Christ House is Potter's House. And that was another group of people who said, we want to help create jobs for the homeless. And so they started a cafe where the employees there are formerly homeless people. And So that, and then one of their other missions is sort of a treatment, a 28-day treatment home, and then transitional housing for people coming out of drug addiction. And so I remember attending church with just a small group of people who were living in the transitional home. And this woman sang, shared her story and then sang Amazing Grace. Mm -hmm. And I looked out over, we were on maybe the eighth floor of this building and I could see drug deals taking place. I mean, at the time it was the largest air open drug market in the nation. Yet we were exactly 1.5 miles from the White House. Mm -hmm. And this woman is singing her story of Amazing Grace. And I, I had grown up in affluent community and so that was that was my 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 wake up to wow I have been born into opportunity and I knew that I was going to be doing something throughout my life to create opportunity to use my opportunity to create opportunity for others but it was a 20 year journey to get to to noonday and that's what I just love uh, even about your book and this message that you know doing good is simple because I've done a million things mm-hmm. before noonday and I think it's easy to look at a founder story, especially like you or like me and think, oh my gosh, to make a difference, I have to yes. start something and it has to be big. But I mean, I have done everything from big brothers, big sisters, you know, mentoring, you know, to to moving overseas, to just serving alongside the homeless in my city of Austin, you know, and even now I always thought my big difference was going to ma- be made through education. I ended up getting my master's in education and I taught overseas before that and I thought schools schools are going to be the way to transform the poor and and now my kids actually go to a public Montessori school in my very diverse neighborhood and and now we're able to start kind of helping create innovative education for the underserved but again I had no idea you know and it really is just doing something you just do something and um, I came back from that trip and then the following year is when I went to Africa when I was about 15 and that's when I came back and started raising money for a little girl that I'd met, you know, and I raised money through my high school and so it's, it's any point in my life you can look and it looked differently but there was always this element of I got to be doing something but there was angst, there was angst along the way because I... I think there is that angst when you do have your light bulb turn on. And I did go through this phase right after um, 
college where I just was kind of in that radical phase. So I'll never forget attending a conference with Richard Foster, who is kind of one of these old school um, Quakers who's been talking about social justice long before it was cool. And I remember him telling me, never scorn the rich and never glorify the poor. Just walk in the Holy Mm. Spirit. And that really stuck with me. And I think that's kind of what led me to this whole idea that business can create change, you know, and it's not about necessarily being poor or glorifying the poor, you know, nor is it about scorning what money can do, you know? And so that's what I love about sort of this idea of compassionate capitalism or owning a business and running a business as a way to create opportunity for others. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to a couple, couple different questions, but I definitely want to touch on that. That quote by Richard Foster is so powerful. And so can you tell me about the importance of dignity when you started Noonday Collective? I mean, I know your heart is, you know, dignity is a huge part of what you're doing, empowering women all around the world. So can you just talk about the need to make sure we're, we're giving dignity to the people we're, we're caring for and, and serving with? Yes. Yes. I think that probably one of the most recent books I've read that has influenced me is called Playing God by Andy Crouch. And just really is about how every person is created in the image of God. And I think when I was going through training with Food for the Hungry, really learning this theology of what it means to be an image bearer and that ultimately, you know, as we went into these communities, I lived in rural Bolivia and rural Guatemala. It was just about each of us is created in the image of God and we are created with talents and with gifts and with the ability to take and multiply. And that's what I saw working among the poor when people understood this idea of I'm an image bearer and they used their creativity and their entrepreneurial spirit to multiply what little they did have. That's where I really saw people come out of poverty. I know you see that as you work with leaders in these countries. And so, you know, dignity really does come from this, this theology of, of knowing that we are Every single person is created in the image of God with the power to yes. create more power for others. Yeah, isn't it amazing too? Like I've, I've, someone asked me the other day, who are the leaders that like are mentoring me or, or I'm following? And my, my, my answer was this guy named John Leakes in Haiti. And they're kind of like, what? I'm like, yeah, this guy named John Leakes in Haiti. He's like the most brilliant leader I've ever met in my entire life. And they're like, mm. wait, no, I need someone else. I'm like, no, you don't get it. Like, this guy is the most brilliant leader I've ever met. And we often assume just because he's Haitian, you know, he's, he's in a secondary, you know, class of intellect or ability to get stuff done. And I think when we're, when we're serving others, we, we, we fail to remember that they're actually serving us as well. Such so a mutual friendship and relationship, not just us caring for them. And so I see that through Noonday Collective. Like you're really empowering women who, and I, I would love for you to maybe tell me one story, like, when you realize that your vision was working, when that artisan who you helped empower through fashion and design, and you and you saw that moment where like this is actually working, can do you remember maybe a moment or two, and can you share that? Well, first of all, from the get go, there was a, a deep reliance upon the artisan partner. So. There's always been a very equal ecosystem at Noonday because the artisans, are, we completely rely upon them to create quality product that's going to arrive on time and yep. that's going to be able to sell in the U.S. marketplace. And so if an artisan doesn't deliver on time, 
or, you know, something, then that really affects our business. So we're, we're very reliant upon one another. And I mean, from the get go, my first partners, Jolly and Daniel living in Uganda, they, I had never met them before. And we just, you know, literally set up a Western Union account and wired money over mm-hmm. hoping, yes. hoping I've, that I've done that so many times. <laughs> yes. And so, but they did, they showed up. And so I think there was a dance of trust that happened. I think working with the poor is trust and they're very used to white people just kind of coming in and out and the whole white savior thing. And so I would say it's even taken years and going through hard times together. That's really helped us realize, Hey, we're, we're partners for, for the long term, And we are for one another and for each other's, um, the, the vision of really being able to build a flourishing world. And so I'll, I'll remember visiting Johnny and Daniel for the first time, even though we'd been in business together for a year and still you know, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm creating a marketplace. We have these ambassadors now and they're going for it, but they had to take that risk too of, you know, hiring people and investing in raw materials. And so I'll never forget the first time visiting Jolly and Daniel and us just looking at each other and saying, we're partners. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that because it's so like, right. Like that is like, that is so innovative when it comes to the doing good space. Like you're not over them. They're not over you. Like you're literally your partners in helping each other flourish. Absolutely. We're doing good together. It's not like I'm doing good for them, but we're both doing good for one another. Love it. Okay. So let me ask you a question real quick. I, I didn't mean to cut you off there because that was so good. But you, you had kind of these aha moments and then, you know, you were committed to doing good throughout your life from, you know, eighth grade all the way, you know, to now, obviously. Um, where was that moment when you, why didn't you not start a traditional nonprofit? Like, where did you come up with the idea of Noonday? Why did you come up um, with that idea of Noonday Collective? Because it's very innovative and most folks are going to go start another NGO that, you know, does aid work or even traditional development work. And that's not necessarily bad, but, but you're, you, you had a different idea. How'd that come about? You know, I think it really was from having worked for a development organization for a couple of years and then coming even back to America. And I worked for another nonprofit for at-risk youth. And I just saw some opportunity there. I saw I didn't like this idea of being completely reliant upon donors. And I have always been an entrepreneur. I mean, from a very young age, I picked flowers from my neighbor's yard and tied a bow around it and Mm. sold it right back to them. And I was always sort of coming up with little business ideas. And so I think for me, it was... um, I, when I heard the term do good, I did think that meant I needed to become a teacher or a social worker or start a nonprofit. And I actually did do all those. I mean, I attempted all those things. I got my master's in education. I started out in social work. I, but honestly, none of those were fits for actually who God made me to be. I am actually a businesswoman. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a creative. And so some of it was, I want to do good, but how does that fit into who God's made me to be? And so when this whole idea of, of business and fashion came together, it was like really all the facets of who I am. And, and then that's a need so many women have. I mean, there's so many women across America. That's why the ambassador opportunity has been so successful is because there's so many women like me who are like, I'm not really 
don't want to be a teacher or a social worker or start a nonprofit, but gosh, I love fashion and I love women and I want to be a part of something bigger that's globally making an impact. Yeah. I love that one. You know, I talk about this in the book again and again and again, like we're all gifted. We all have these talents. We all have these passions that drive us. And if we can figure out a way to connect our, our gifts and our passions and our talents and, and, and to doing good with the real sense of intentionality, I think that's when the world will will become brighter. And, and, and maybe what I see all the time in my world is folks jump on this do good you know train for a few years and then they burn out because the pressure right. of the entire world is like on them. They can't fix everything. They can't help every kid. They can't solve every problem. But you have helped solve this real important problem, creating jobs all over the world through fashion. And so can you just kind of last question, can you just talk about the impact that that's had from your artisans to the ambassadors? Because you've really made doing good a simple, and yet simple is also powerful. Like these communities are flourishing because of your mind. Yeah, simple is so powerful. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, one of our ambassadors was doing a trunk show with a high schooler who was going to use some of her, the ambassador wanted to give some of her commissions to this high schooler to go to Haiti this summer. And this high schooler apparently invited all of her friends. They all RSVPDS and then very purposely didn't come. It was like a mean girl thing. There was wow. a fight. So this ambassador's at this trunk show, this this high school girl who's wanting to go do good is feeling bad about herself. And what our ambassador did was she just, she was just sharing her heart on our private ambassador Facebook page. And she said, man, I'm at this trunk show and this high schooler is so awesome. And she wants to do good in the world. And because of a mean girl situation, people did not show up. Um, Just a couple of random mothers, but none of her friends. Well, our ambassador community went and began purchasing from her trunk show because, you know, it's it's all set up through mm-hmm. online. So by the end of the week, her trunk show had equaled to $6,000. Wow. And that was That's from amazing. our ambassadors saying, you know what, we're going to go buy yeah. from you. We're going to tell our customers to buy from you. And that's such an easy instance of doing good. And, you know, and I know we get, we all get requests all the time, right? It's a crowded space. We're inundated with, you know, can you do this? Can you do that? But I think it's just starting out with that small thing. Like we, each of us has influence. It's a matter of how we're using that influence and we can use it every single day, whether it's, you know, giving 10 bucks to the organization that happened to reach out to you that day, or whether it's just saying, you know, picking a kid up from school whose parents, you know, work the night shift. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that we can do. And I think that keeping it simple is how we're going to actually take the long view in being able to do good. Yeah, it's interesting. I love a bunch of my friends are ambassadors for you. It's, it's insane, right? Like I have noonday collective jewelry everywhere. Um, <laughs> all and, and I love it because like people are, you're building community ladies are having fun they're buying what they would normally buy in through their budget and yet you're creating jobs all over the world and so i can't imagine a better snapshot of if doing good was simple well it is and that's exactly what we're trying to to kind of wrestle with in the book is like hey it doesn't have to be we don't have to solve all the world's problems but through creativity and innovation and you really disrupted the market we can make a big impact in the world so real quick how do folks get involved in noonday collective 
So if you would like to host a trunk show, we absolutely need people to host trunk shows. We have artists and groups waiting in the wings who are wanting to produce for us, but we really need to grow before we can take on more partners. And so you can host a trunk show by going to our website and just signing up to host and we will get in touch with you immediately with an ambassador in your community. Or if you would like to start your own social business and we'll come alongside you and we'll teach you how to start a business and we'll teach you how to be successful and you'll be able to earn extra income for your family as well as create dignified jobs around the world, then we'd love to have you as an ambassador. Awesome. Jessica, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for creating not just you, but you and your team and artisans all over the world, creating this really amazing opportunity to do good, to do it well, and to do it together. So everyone, go visit Noonday Collective. All the information will be in the show notes. And Jessica, thank you for your time. Have a good day. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris and Jessica. You'll find links to a few of the things that they talked about today at our show notes. You can follow Jessica online at Jessica Honecker and find Chris online at Chris Marlowe. The Simplecast is produced by Austin Collins and me, Ken Nussbaum. And our music is provided by Lamar Stockton. Find out more from LamarStockton.com. For Chris and Jessica, thanks for listening. And until next time, do good. Do good well and find someone to do good together with. Thanks. Thanks.